1: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: Out the gate, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with John Beer and Old Smokey Moonshine inside the arcade room and game room here on their vast campus with the Distillery and the Brewery. With Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big show planned today. Bradley Jackson is the director of Facing Nolan, the new uh, movie and uh, picture on Nolan Ryan, which drops tomorrow. Looking forward to uh, chatting with him coming up in hour number two. Big topics throughout, including... The best running back in football, Derek Henry, a report late last week that the Titans are open to extending his contract. We'll get into a bigger discussion about that later in today's show. Gentlemen, good afternoon.
0: A little bit of a different setup here for us uh, today, broadcasting from uh, an arcade, and I'm looking over right next to Paul right now, and I see Golden Tee, 2021, haven't played the newest version or one of the newest versions of Golden Tee, and I'm thinking maybe during a break today I'm going to remedy that.
1: I see uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles over there, and I won't be playing that. <laughs>
0: what about Mortal Kombat 2? I'll see no.
1: I'm a, a Pac Man guy. It's over there. Miss Pac Man is really
2: mine. Hutton's going to get favorite.
0: after some big Buck Hunter Pro a I'll little play bit all later. These games.
2: Uh, they're all the right price, absolutely free. That's cool. uh, Here at 6th and Peabody. Everything yeah. but the Claw Machine. That's the way to go. Everything but the Claw Simon
0: Machine. Simon loves a good Claw Machine. May I talk about the Claw Machine for a moment? Because I tried to explain this to my now seven year old daughter that the Claw Machine is the biggest ripoff Spam. in history. I've never seen anyone win anything on the claw machine. Oh, Simon. But it's brilliant because the kids will continue to go back. We yes. were at a Mexican restaurant recently that had one of these. I probably spent $7 in quarters to try to get something. It didn't do it. And I kept telling her, we'll keep going, we'll keep going. And then eventually it gets in your head to where you're saying you know, I want to see if I can defeat this machine. Maybe, maybe I'm the one who can do it. No one can do there it. Is it's a, impossible. There, there, well, they, there is set. a claw
1: machine. Uh, there are claw machines at a bowling alley in Franklin where you do win with some regularity, but it's mostly you win tickets, and the tickets are not worth very much. You win well, rolls uh, of tickets that you then exchange for garbage. The claw and machines so the returns are... Either,
2: they're, they're either set on on skill or on payout. So, like... Uh, right, the payout. It, it's only going to grab the item after the machine makes, like, 25 bucks, and then an item will drop, you know. Yeah. Um, and you can set those up if you've got, like, an iPad mini or whatever it used to be, you know, in those, or the Nano or whatever everyone right. used to go after. Uh, you can set it up based on a... Uh, Twenty dollar limit or something right well the, now take
1: that and round it down to a plush animal that 's worth absolutely nothing right. or tickets exactly. for which you 're going to get a water gun um, and and the return, but they are absolutely. Um, Enrapturing to a kid. You just oh, can't yeah. Simon at 12, Evie at 7. Oh, can it, not. For a kid. Cannot stay
0: away from it. Got to go to it every time. They're going to keep coming back for more. It's like
1: those carnival games. It is you read guaranteed. The stories about the carnival games that are set up for, to be absolutely no win situation.
2: What a win for Justin Thomas winning his second PGA championship uh, with Pereira choking it down the stretch and allowing the playoff to take place. Justin Thomas Without eight him. shots back. Uh, to begin uh, the final round and then ends up winning the PGA Championship in a playoff against Alatorre. Pereira
1: has to be in the playoffs. He's on 18. Even after he goes in the water to the right off the tee, which was an outstandingly bad swing, he finished like a baseball swing over his shoulder, not upright at all. He hurried for no reason. He should have stepped away and, and reset. It was a terrible swing. But he's in fine shape. He's left of the green. All he needs is to get up and down. And I thought the commentators were excellent. In particular, was it Dottie Pepper who, who was there, saying that he didn't go down and, and evaluate the, the green. He didn't take a walk. And guys, you see, take too much of a walk sometimes. Yeah. Now, she pointed out he didn't take a walk to the other side of his stuff on the green's throughout the tournament it's not part of his routine i think maybe now it should become part of his routine because he needed it up and down and his uh chip shot i I think it was because he was in the rough flew the
0: green right flew
1: the green and he didn't have a good enough sense of where to land that and the contour of the green on the other side then he had a chip that he had to come back with and sink it to get in the playoffs he didn't hit a very good you know didn't get it to the hole which is another sin but that was a complete disaster from putting it in the water to missing after his drop, missing the green, to flying the green. And I, don't, I, I thought that raised a really good point that he did not survey that enough to know where he needed to land it or where he couldn't land it. And he really just booted that entire hole to not be in the playoff. Worst case scenario there has to be, I'm in the playoff. Well, it's One a
2: one-shot lead, and he's clearly thinking about it. 19, imagine him leading the Masters or the Open on 18 with a one-shot lead if he's going to do that at the PGA Championship.
0: Well, and, you know, the, the majors, major championships, there's, there's four of them. They're all major championships. But you're right, Hutton, there's a different vibe Uh, at the Masters. I just got done watching Shark, the ESPN 30 for 30 on Greg Norman. They get into a lot of that mystique of the Masters and that golf course and how people feel the pressure. When I'm watching this, I'm thinking this feels really unprecedented to watch a guy blow a lead on the last hole. You don't see that at major championships, right? Only the third time it's happened in 20 years. And the last time it happened was the same tournament, 2006 US Open, Colin Montgomery and Phil Mickelson had a double bogey on 18 and missed out on a playoff. Only the third time it's happened that someone double bogeyed the 72nd hole of a major with a one-stroke lead and missed out on a playoff or missed out on a championship. So, look, you can say the kid choked. You can say, Paul, like you were saying, just didn't do his due diligence, maybe went a little too fast and didn't take enough time on it. Whatever the situation, you know that if you're him, you're sitting there thinking, I mean – the, all you can say to yourself after that is, I'll get another chance, surely, right? I'm going to put myself in this position again, and I'm going to do better the next time. But we, we don't know that. We from him again. We, we, this guy may not make a cut in another major championship the rest of his career, for all we know. That's the sad part about it, when you see someone blow it like that. And for Justin Thomas, I mean, it's a great lesson, and you're never truly out of it. You know, as many strokes as he was behind coming into the final round to pull it off, and I'm happy for Justin Thomas, who is a guy that seemingly, when you look at the celebrations from across the PGA Tour, is very well liked oh, yeah. by everyone.
1: People really like him. Zalatoris, I thought, you know, played. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a tough way to lose in that playoff the way it is. Uh, he doesn't even put it out right on the on the last hole once he's once he's dead there. Yeah, you're done. Kind of weird. You see an X. Um,
2: and he was in him. Mean, he was in great shape all the way through the tournament, too. You know. And then you had JT, who you know, eight shots back. He's he's saying, "When is it going to happen for me?" And then to know with the the tee shot on eighteen, the way it went, that oh wow, we may be going to a playoff. You know. And Zalatoris knew it too. He
1: could have won it. I mean, he missed the the putt on eighteen that would have. Uh Tied him with Pereira at the time, so he needed Pereira to come back a stroke to get into the playoff. It wound up doing that, but he was really beating himself up over missing what was it a 10 footer um, on 18 that would have put him in even better uh, position. It turned out it would have won it, right? Um, so, and it
2: doesn't um, the the two birdies on the playoffs that normally doesn't happen either. He's the first player to birdie each of the first two playoff holes of the PGA Championship. Really strong. Really strong. That's clutch. That's the opposite of what we saw from Pereira. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, don't get the, we don't get the Justin Thomas moment without Pereira, though, having the collapse. Yeah,
0: it's uh, certainly the yin and yang of uh, success. In a tournament like that, you get the guy who completely choked. That's a big story. And then Justin Thomas coming from seven strokes down starting the day is an an- another huge story. I love you mentioned, Paul, you don't even put it out on the playoff. I love that Zalatoris just took his hat off. I noticed the, the the announcer calling it said the moment Thomas got so close on that putt and he was just trying to get close enough to tap it in, Zalatoris immediately took the hat off to go shake his hand. He's another before guy. Before he tapped it in, we
1: say with golf, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen and maybe he disappears, but he's been around a lot uh, in the last year or two, kind of uh, on the leaderboard up at the top. I remember us the first time he was there, like, who's this? And now, you know, the name rolls off the tongue because we've said it a lot. And you have to feel like he's due to, to break through somewhere here. His game is pretty consistent.
2: Are we seeing the last calendar year of Tiger Woods' career in front of our eyes? He makes the cut at both of the last two majors, um, but barely makes it through Augusta and then has to bow out after Saturday's worst round ever for him uh, at that tournament.
1: I didn't. What what were the details? I only saw that kind of a statement. But did did TV have more details about um, the rationale
0: for it? Uh, I got to see the. Hurting? I got to see a little bit of the very end of his terrible round on Saturday, and they were already speculating uh, if they they were curious if he was going to come back the next day. Like this may be the end of the weekend when they were watching Tiger Woods and how bad he looked. Um, look, I I, I don't. I don't think it's the last year we're going to see him Hutton. but we are definitely only going to see him in a very limited basis. Yeah, I, I, don't, just
1: the majors, I don't think bro. there's
0: ever going to be a – he's going to do see... just the majors this year, and then he's – I think it's going to be more ceremonial for him every year. He's going to pick and choose very few tournaments to play every year. And it's not going to be just the majors. He's playing this pro-am in Ireland two weeks before the British Open, and he's going to be in the British Open. Uh, That is uh, uh, the weekend of July 15th at St. Andrews. He loves St. Andrews. So everything I've read is that he's basically going to go to the U.K. for a month, uh, essentially, and get ready for the British Open. He's going to play in the tournament in Ireland two weeks before, but he's going to play different link-style courses to get ready for the British Open. And those
1: have to be the toughest, right? I mean, St. Andrews has to be a tougher walk than anything he's doing here wouldn't you think
0: i don't know those the, the link style are typically style. pretty flat they have some undulation on it but uh, i would think that would be a little bit easier than some of the courses in the states maybe not uh again i i was way off well, when i tried undula- to guess that
1: courses i don't know about yeah. where you're where you're doing well, your
0: walking you know when you get into the goat pasture in these courses the way they look on the side and you're you know you've got a leg up here and you're down here trying to hit it out, of the, out of the rough that's not going to be easy on Tiger
2: Woods' body, I just, getting I in
0: and out of a deep pot though. Yeah, I,
2: I don't even think it's it's about the terrain. Um, I think it's the – Endurance. Yeah, the four-day – well, it's not even four days. I mean, he's he's having to practice this as well, you know. Uh, but it's getting to the weekend whenever we actually see the the poor play really shoot up. And, I mean, for Tiger's sake, I mean, it was some of the worst we've seen from him on that Saturday.
1: Sad. Um,
2: it just, he's uh, also, his
1: determination is not – waning it doesn't sound like so
0: he also made both cuts so it's equally uh encouraging and frustrating because a lot of players on tour that are very good don't make cuts they miss a cut the major he's made the cut since he come, he came back but then as you get to saturday sunday it's it's going downhill quickly for him so i think you're hitting on something Hutton, with the 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 endurance part of it yeah. being a big issue for him right now he can start well he can put himself in the mix. He can make a cut, but can he make it through four rounds playing good golf?
2: And it's two tournaments in. It remains right? to be so seen. It, I, I get that part. Like maybe build he can up, only improve, up. but, I mean, who knows uh, with this? Because we're he's closer to the end of his career than we've ever seen, and we thought it was, he was done before this. So the fact that he's even been able to make it back in and of itself is remarkable. I just don't want to see him like this every single time he goes out on these major championships on the toughest courses. Um, that, to me, that, it just doesn't serve anyone. Um, who's I mean, we're barely seeing Tiger very much anyway. Whenever he's shooting seventy nine, yeah, uh, they're not going to show him very much anyway.
0: What's our appetite for Tiger Woods continuing to withdraw from these tournaments after getting through the cut? You know, how many more times are we going to have to witness this before? But it just—we're uh, we're ready for it almost to be over and, from him not being able to finish four rounds. Well, I Hutt's, still think we're a long way away from that. To we still point, want Tiger Woods out there. Though,
1: yeah, to Hutt's point, how much are you going to? How much can the network show him playing a bad round as opposed to the leaders? I think they find a mix. They're also playing at different times on Saturday, right? If he makes the cut, but he's not towards the top of the leaderboard, you can watch a Tiger Woods round early, then you can watch the leaders play late. If, if they're willing to show that much on TV, then you kind of get a double, um, which is fine by me, um, but, you know, how early they start to the telecast.
2: Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. If you're just joining us, uh, we've got some uh, guests coming up uh, later in today's show, including the director of Facing Nolan. Bradley Jackson is his name, and uh, we'll get some behind-the-scenes uh, takes from him on who wanted to uh, be available for this and who did not, like Robin Ventura, refused to sit down for this film. I could see that. We will get into the details of all of that straight ahead when we come back. Winning means more than ever right now in sports. Uh, Opinions, thoughts, analysis on that statement. Uh, And then a bit later... We've got 360 headlines, which includes the Washington Commander's ownership with Daniel Snyder and the rest of the NFL ownership and what's going on behind the scenes with them, the other owners, looking into Daniel Snyder, uh, skimming some money off the top, allegedly. The Colts looking at a backup quarterback option. PK is back from Vegas. We are back from Atlanta. We hope you're ready to go. Stay tuned. More coming on Outkick 360.
1: You ready? Showtime. Showtime.
2: Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network which includes great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland and Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. We also say hello to Fox Sports Shoals and Muscle Shoals Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama and Florence Crews all here today Uh, Celtics and Heat we've got a back and forth series there Golden State and Dallas Mm. tried to make it a game last night, but it's a 3-0 series lead for the Warriors.
1: I was sure that uh, Dallas was going to make a showing last night. Uh, And instead they gave up four of the best dunks you'll ever see.
0: I mean, Wiggins? the Andrew Wiggins posterization of Luka Doncic was impressive. How
1: could you call it an offensive foul? I mean, I'm glad they got it right. I, don't, I, don't I, I have no that was idea. a terrible call.
0: I, I think that Doncic, watching it, and I've seen it <laughs> a from a couple up different up. angles. No, I think what happens is Doncic is so humiliated on the dunk, and he does a great job of exaggerating, trying to kind of get out of the way. I mean, he sees what's happening. And he kind of falls and flails out of the way, almost like, oh, did I trip and fall? It looked like he was exaggerating him not being as close as he was to getting dunked on. And in doing so, baited the officials to make it look like he was shoved out of the way on the dunk. It was
1: just a little arm. Oh, he barely, barely barely touched him. It was
0: soccer-esque. It was was a bad exaggeration and just an incredible dunk. All
1: four of the dunks were outrageously good. I mean, that guy was doing things above the rim that were just remarkable. I,
0: I, I'm sad that series is probably going to be a sweep now uh, after losing that game. It's certainly not going to be competitive no, be down 3 because I think Luka Doncic yep. is another – he's someone this league needs to be in the spotlight. When I watch him play, he's got a – I hate to compare white guy to white guy because it's so obvious to do every time, but he's got a Larry Bird slowness about his game. But somehow knows exactly where to be. And how much time. And, he's and got. exactly how to move and exactly how to get his shot up. Impressive player to watch. Um, and he's got a little bit of villain to him, I think, similar to, to Larry Bird. You know, he's, when they're on that, they, they build that big lead in game two in San Francisco against Golden State. He's burying a three ten feet behind the line. After Golden State's going on a run, that place is a madhouse in a frenzy, and he's telling the crowd to quiet down, you know, after he hits the three. And he's talking trash that entire first half. I I think those types of things are good for interest in the league. Um, I think having a white superstar like him is good for the villain element of it also at times. Uh, I want to see the Mavs continue to do well so Luka Doncic is in the spotlight because he is an awkward guy to watch at times, but fun in his style and and very different. Uh, And you got Jokic also back-to-back MVPs. You know, that's a different style player as well and very slow in how he plays. I think having those contrasting, those guys who do so many different things. When Steph Curry came around, we love Steph Curry. Why? He was so different. And he was a little guy. You know, he handled the ball differently than most guys in the league at the time. He shot from further out. I think the Doncic difference in how he plays is good for the sport.
1: Golden State has won a road game in something like 27 consecutive series. That's a good recipe for winning series.
0: Well, and it shows, too. When Clay Thompson is healthy, uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, tough to beat. I mean, they're, they're right now my favorite to win it all. I think Miami and, and Boston, whoever comes out of this series, is, is going to give them a good series. But I'm not picking against those two when fully healthy and clicking the way they are right now.
2: The thing, the thing though, about the, the series is – and last time was a bit different – But the young stars that the NBA has had a chance to showcase have been involved in blowout games one way or the other. Blowouts meaning, like, if you tune in, if you look up the score, Warrior score, or whatever, just to check in on whatever your bet might be, and you're looking for a reason to tune in, it could be 63 to 31. And, you know, the stars can be on display. I have no interest in flipping over and watching them play that game. Same here. And, And so... I think the closer and now that we're right on the doorstep of the NBA Finals, you're likely not going to see the Mavs showcase their young talent and the villain role that that he can play. Um, that that's the issue that I've had with these playoffs is for, for with the opportunity to capitalize with Durant out, uh, with LeBron not playing, with Harden out. The the games themselves have not. Lended the league for great promotion on social media on a night where you're looking for a reason to tune into sports There just hasn't been a lot of compelling argument to get someone to tune over unless you're already watching it If you're tuned in to watch which by the way last night's pregame show Chad and I had that on uh at a place we were uh visiting in Atlanta Uh with uh, a, per- a prospective uh radio station in ATL Shout out there um and it felt like that pregame show was going on for an hour. It was eight thirty Eastern. Uh, got up to nine o'clock Eastern and they still had not tipped off. Yeah, at and one I'm point, thinking, what what is what's it was, up with this? Like, yeah, let's go.
0: And, and granted we were in eastern time, which we're not accustomed to, but the game, you know, tipped at like eight forty. Eastern or that. something like Was it even later it, than that? It was like after nine. I yeah. remember one point we look over the TV and Hutton says, why is Charles Barkley riding a horse <laughs> with a cowboy hat on right now? I'm like, oh, well, they're in Dallas. It's a whole take on the Mavericks. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they had Charles Barkley riding up a horse to the, the inside the NBA set for the pregame. It was a, a long build up to that game, and it was a great start for the Warriors, and they rode it out. I will say, Hutton, we've had a ton of blowouts where teams get ahead and there's no comeback from another team. Friday night game two of that series was the was the difference because it was the Mavs up 20 plus in the first half and the Warriors made a big run to end the first half and then a bigger run in the third quarter and they go on to win so I was at least a little bit encouraged that we had at least one game where a team sprinted out to a big lead and another team came from behind and ended up winning but I mean instead of it just being a blowout once the team got ahead
2: have been about like 12 or 13 of the entire playoffs have been tight contested games Yeah, Um, They've been even series with wins, but not competitive series.
0: I wonder how much, you know, what is the finals factor to to this, to any NBA playoff run? You get to the finals, if you have a great seven-game series where every game is tight, how much do you forget about the rest of the playoffs being lopsided and being a ton of blowouts?
1: I don't think we're getting that, so I think it'll be reflective of of the playoffs in their entirety, but it's a good question. Yeah. I think Golden State is
0: just – Well, and I'm thinking of it from the league's perspective of we want more eyeballs, we want people engaged. If in June we're talking about just terrific games, five, six, and seven in the NBA Finals between the Celtics and Warriors, how much do we really remember about all the blowouts? I'm saying from just the fan, you know, surface level deal. If you're a hardcore NBA fan and you've got league pass and you're watching some team all year and you're watching all the playoffs, you'll remember... But for those of us that like big events and want to watch great games, and that's most of the sporting public out there, I think you can forget pretty quickly that yeah, the rest of the playoffs weren't great. Mavs will win the next game, You're by not the way. growing
2: your sport that way, though. No. You're not growing young stars uh, that way. How many NBA stars can the average fan, the sports fan, walking down the sidewalk name under the age of 30? Well, I, look, if Jason Tatum goes
0: out, and uh, puts up Steph Curry-like numbers in the finals, and they beat the Warriors, I think you've created you've a new young superstar. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the hope, is when you get to the biggest, the biggest series, which is the finals, look, it's not been good so far. There's nothing you can do about that. But when you get to the finals, will it have a superstar-making type well, but, moment? But see, we thought that was going to be the case last year with Giannis. Uh, I don't know what what impact the finals had. It was a I, good series not, between Phoenix and, and Milwaukee. My argument but.
2: isn't Chad that they're they're not going to be able to develop a young star in the finals. My issue is it's been a month and a half of the playoffs, and we've yet to be able to point to a compelling playoff series or a guy based on games alone. Or yeah, or, or who who's a the star of the
1: playoffs so that for? you can
2: point to and say you know what this guy won, and it could have been John Moran if he doesn't get hurt, but th- this guy help the nba win the first three series a month and a half worth of games where they wait four days in between matchups for marquee times and and television acquirements um i don't know if they've grown young superstars this postseason yeah um they should be able to do it in the finals they can do that every year but this is about this is about them capitalizing on three other series where they tipped off at the beginning of this month.
0: I, I'm with you. I, I said it's a wash. Like, there's no going back and making what's happened so far good. My only point is I don't think every year in the finals we can make a young superstar because there are plenty of finals matchups that have established superstars on both sides where you're not elevating someone, right? You know, is, is Grant Williams going to come off the bench and average 27 a night out of nowhere and become a superstar? Probably not. Is Jason Tatum already a superstar? Maybe. Could he cement that status with a great finals, even if it's in a losing effort in a six or seven game series? I don't know. I don't think. I think that's the only America. chance they have now. They they've lost the chance leading up to this. I'm just giving the if you want to look glass half full. That's the one shot the NBA has now moving forward. A terrific finals, competitive to the end, and get one of these young guys that could be a superstar for the league in there and then see what happens. I, I make it sound like the NBA, you know, rigs all of it, which people, you know, argue could be the case. You know, you gotta get this guy in there if you're the league and then make it happen. But that's that's how you grow the sport. I don't think Jason
1: Tatum's a superstar in the eyes of America by any means at this stage. The people yeah, who are gonna I mean, turn on the NBA finals who haven't watched much basketball, they don't know Jason Tatum.
2: If they're matched up with the Warriors that can be advantageous for that Celtics group and specifically Tatum. Yeah. But it, it doesn't help the fact that, Paul, I, I agree with you. I think most of America views him as a very good player. Uh, Same would go for Booker. And, and again, like, those are the young faces that I'm talking about that have you know, had the chance to latch on. And, and they have in the respective local markets. And if you're watching the NBA, like, I, I tune in every now and then. And I, I can recognize these guys. But I think like, they're, as individual brands, because the games have been so lopsided, it's been a seven out of 10 in a of lot them. of ways. It's, it's been a, just a lackluster postseason, which is par for the course, and that's a huge issue for the NBA.
1: Heading the wrong direction on that. I yeah, agree. I mean, I, uh, There's been no game where you had to text me and say, hey, don't none. miss the last five minutes of this
0: one. I mean, look, John Morant's a bigger superstar than Jason Tatum, and yes, John Morant yes. plays in Memphis, okay? He's all, the one All guy. due respect to the Memphis Grizzlies, that's not the Boston Celtics. So— Boston, it would be great for the league if Boston had a superstar. Jason Tatum's not there yet. But if they have a guy that elevates in these playoffs, that's only going to help them and, and help the sport. But, I mean, you're right in saying that this has not been – these 2022 playoffs, it's not been a star-building tournament so far. Outside of John Morant's flash, and then he gets hurt, and they're out You know, in the, in the second round. And it's, I mean, yeah, they, they need some juice right now. I think Luka provides that juice, yes. but he's about to be out. Um, I, I don't know about the Celtics. Maybe Tatum can. But outside of that, I mean, I, I'm watching the Warriors and just thinking, Steph, Steph Curry's still Steph Curry. You know, he he hasn't really gone anywhere. I mean, he's it, we're almost tired of talking about him because he had such a great run for a while. But, I mean, I, I look at the Warriors and think they're going to win it all. Same
1: here. It feels winning, like second act for me. Winning
2: right now means more than ever. And, and here's my premise for this. Um, just walking around and thinking about this over the weekend, the sports ticket landscape has, tra- has drastically changed over the last two years due to COVID. And we've seen rising prices across the country, uh, grocery stores, gas pumps, uh, many other spots in between. And when you consider that... Ticket prices are only going to continue to go up, not down, as teams continue to try to make up for the lost revenue at the gate over the last two years uh, with butts in seats. Um, some, some had more access than others. Um, to me, with the ticket prices only going to continue to go up and people putting more of a premium on how they spend their money, you better have a winner. You cannot latch on and say, you know what? We're going to rebuild from the ground up. There's a local example here with the Nashville Predators. They cannot afford to blow everything up and rebuild right now because they're trying to put on a great product. They had, um, and this can relate to any local team, four major, five major sports, however you want to look at this, guys. Um, They had, for the longest time, Young franchise, the fan base was entertained as they tried to get a 40 goal score. They had two of them this year. They then had a Vesna Trophy finalist and a Norris Trophy, and uh, finalist. And they, despite those accolades and two 40 goal scores, they're left with the question of why wasn't that good enough, and can we really break this down and start to rebuild? The answer is no. Because I don't think any team right now can afford to fully do that. Winning matters because that's going to continue to keep the attendance going. And that's where these teams will make up their more revenue. They have to invest. They can't cut costs in the locker room and expect the fans to continue to show up. I agree
1: with your overall premise. But I'll say two things. Uh, At at least in football, we've seen that you can rebuild – Pretty quickly, quicker quicker than we yep. expected, if you're a good organization. Can we, take the, can, can we take
0: the NFL out of this? Okay. Because, honestly, I, I just say that for this reason, Paul. You're going to watch Detroit anyway. No. They're making so much. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't like, matter. you don't have to sell a single ticket. Right. And, and you're going to be rich, and those teams are going to be just fine, and those owners are going to make a ton right. of money. so let's take the NFL. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about – when you bring this, I'm thinking about college sports – I'm thinking about NBA, NHL, MLB. Major League Baseball, sports that are dependent on gate. Sport Not solely, but, but that's, that's a, a big, big part chunk. of the revenue right, stream. Let's yeah. do that.
1: Let's do that. So, uh, you know, I would think baseball first and foremost for me, but uh, everything in general. Sometimes you're going to have to do it, even though what you're saying is true. But so you sacrifice gate for two years, say, because you know the right thing to do is to purge and get young and get better And so you're saying, look, we're going to take some big lumps because we know people aren't going to come out to watch this because it's not good. It's not what they're used to. But in two years, it'll be so much better for having taken the lumps that will do it. But when you're deciding to do it, you're making a much bigger decision than you used to be making because of what you're talking about. And you have to be in just the right situation. And quite frankly, Your coach is sacrificing his job if he's in on that decision or you're sacrificing a coach. A GM, maybe not David Poyle in Nashville who can't do anything to lose his job as the only guy who's been there, who's a Hall of Fame guy and who, you know, the ownership has basically said, it's your deal until you don't want it to be your deal. But in most events, is a GM going to survive it to your rebuild? The ownership has to buy into it and most owners are leaning where you are. We have to be good all the time. Paste it together, tape it together, get the duct tape, let us uh, – a soft rebuild at best is what we can –
2: Well, you can – I think com- competitive at rebuild worst. is what
0: the, the Predators, you know, that, that's, the, that's the phrase they use to describe what they're doing.
1: Yeah, but competitive rebuild, you know, listen, you, you can label things whatever you want to be. I mean, if you could do a competitive rebuild in the all of history, you would have been doing competitive rebuilds. There's a reason sometimes you rebuild. You have to rebuild.
0: I I agree. Just looking at the case of the the Nashville Predators here locally, I look at that and I, I don't have a question about the competitive part of that. I have a question about the rebuild. What is the rebuild? What are you growing towards exactly? Can you point to the plan and say, here's where we're gonna be a year from now, here's where we're gonna be two years from now. I understand keeping your team competitive however you can in a market strap you know, with, with cash restrictions or whatever, you're operating under your ownership's direction and ownership wants the team to be competitive to sell tickets. I don't blame David Poyle for you know, not rebuilding completely and blowing it up and being terrible for three years. If he's not allowed to do that, you know, are you allowed to do that? If you're the New York Rangers owner, if you're Toronto, you know, and you're going to have people showing up and you have bigger revenue streams and markets like that, probably in some of these cases, you can do that to go for a cup. But I don't know that you can do that in Nashville and it leads local fans now to this point of anger slash apathy that, oh, well, we're always going to be a team that gets the playoffs and loses badly in the first round. So what's the good in that if you want bigger things? I also
1: think you could ask a Nashville fan, would you rather be in the playoffs every year with very little chance of advancing to the level of the good teams we're seeing now, or would you take two years out of the playoffs in exchange for a real chance to go to the Stanley Cup again, and they would say the Stanley Cup again, well, that's, but but the we, endurance of the two bad years is a hard I'm, thing.
2: But I'm looking at it from the, the team standpoint. Fact of the matter is the fans can say, oh, sure, we'd love to go to the Stanley Cup again. We'd love go buy to go to the NBA I'll wait till then to reinvest. Uh, I, yeah, I would, they, too. And they, because, because here's the fact of the matter. Isn't
1: the payoff for the team better? Two bad years Not, in a Stanley Cup run no, than three first-round playoff exits? No,
2: because they just missed two straight years of attendance coming off their last playoff run. They've got to make up for that. And they can't go through another lull like the last two years have been. And I'm using them as the example. I, I look across the board. Um, Tennessee football, Florida football, George. I mean, everybody's got to win. South Carolina, um, there, there are reasons to invest in what you're doing now more than ever because, look great stories in the locker room are cool to me that doesn't sell nearly as much as what it used to no, it doesn't mean now a damn you've got to me. win because you'd rather sit at home um and and not drive to and from the game or whatever it might again like it all comes Have down to the bottom dollar you. and you, you've got to give people a reason and it, it comes down to winning at a high level i i just think you know tennessee chad they moved their twenty twenty three home opener to virginia here in nashville instead of byu yep. virginia in all likelihood uh, in uh, a year from now is a more winnable game than on the road at byu and and it's going to be a home game for tennessee that that with that is the extremely crowd. beneficial for the university of tennessee to get a win it's not insured yeah. it's not like they're playing but it's better you know uh but v- virginia middle you know it's but here's the thing, they too. they still got to kick is, off and play, but it's extremely beneficial
0: this is to a, win early. And that's a good example, because think about these college football powers. Ten years ago, I never would have asked questions about attendance at a Tennessee football game, no matter how bad they were. There's going to be 90,000-plus people showing right, up. Right, right. And now suddenly you look around at some games in bad years, it might be 72,000 people there. You might have 30,000 empties at a game. Th- that's where it's changed. It's not just with the franchises, I'll say like the Nashville Predators, mm-hmm. you know, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers. I'm thinking of non-traditional hockey markets where we know part of the game for that ownership group is to sell a product and get butts in seats, however you can do it. We haven't thought in those, uh, in those terms for powerhouse college basketball, college football programs. You better start thinking about that now because the moment you aren't winning, and in some cases even winning huge, People just aren't going to go. I think with those other sports I mentioned, NHL, for example, I don't think people even watch on TV when the team sucks. It's not just I'm not going to pay for tickets and go to it. When your team is rock bottom and you are bottoming out, I think interest everywhere, you're not going to pay attention to scores as much, you're not going to watch on television. All those things are bad for the local markets, right, when it starts to go south like that. Do you think people in Cincinnati are going to sit around and watch Reds games? every night when they're going to be the worst team in baseball and their ownership is sitting there telling them, hey, deal with it because if we sell it, they're going to move the team. I can't imagine that they are.
2: That would be brutal. And, and that's a great I'm baseball market.
1: Rotten. I'm spoiled rotten, right, because my number one team is the Yankees who are competitive every year. So I've never really dealt with it. As a well, kid, the Yankees went Baseball is a set
0: a- where if you have the money, you don't have to bottom out. Right. You don't have to rebuild. Yeah. You just pay.
1: But I did go through a stretch where the Yankees sucked but I was still a kid, and I was still loyal. But it was a different time, different place, different
2: era, and I was a different age. Um, you know, uh, and if think,
1: they suck now, would I be paying attention like I am? Hell no.
2: I, I think like uh, uh, loyalty. Fans would still be loyal to their team.
0: Yeah, but I just don't. It's not picking another team. Would
2: you invest at the same level? No, like no, and, and you would still. Ca- I I still think he would casually go as a place to go hang out or whatever. I'm talking about, like, the true diehard season ticket holder. Yeah, look, I
0: I consider myself a big Atlanta Braves fan. I'm not a a diehard fan that's watching every game. But here's what happens. When the Braves aren't playing well, if they're sub-500 into July or August, I'm going to check my score app and look during the game to see what the score is every hour and see what happens. When the Braves are crushing it, I'm going home at night and watching four innings of a game and watching on television and trying to get tickets to go to a game. I think I'm like most people when it comes to fandom, right? I'm still going to check to see if they won, and I'm going to check to see how they're doing. But outside of that, I'm not investing any time in a loser. And that's not saying – I'm not encouraging fair-weather fandom here. I'm not saying go pick another team that wins. That's what drives me crazy. Don't do that. I'm just saying with every – available entertainment option we have right now mixed with a really bad economy where we're going into a recession and your time is limited, your dollars may be more limited, people aren't going to spend time on a loser. But
1: you're also smart. Or money. And if they wound up in a spot where they aged out mm-hmm. and they have got their championship, which they just got, and everything happened, and you knew that they needed to be bad for two years in order to get back to a good place – You'd go about that, checking the score, understanding yeah. the plan, and all of that. And
0: that's already happened. You know, they had a two- or three-year stretch where they were bad, and that's what I did. I'd see, oh, did they win? Oh, no. Oh, they're 18 games under five hundred. They have no shot. And then you move on.
2: There's a man who lost $360,000 gambling. There's a country who wants it back. It wasn't me. And it's not Koharski in Vegas. Details on that next one. on kick 360. Coming up in roughly eight minutes or so, we'll get Paul's update. We haven't asked about how Vegas went. That's uh, straight ahead. But Paul, I'm glad you're, you're, we're not the, the headline here. Uh, so as, as a part of an area's uh, COVID stimulus package that went out in Japan, it was like a local town, uh, city, uh, a government official mistakenly wired $360,000, uh, which is uh, the entire stimulus budget, uh, to one man who, <laughs> who then gambled all of it. He didn't ask any questions
0: when he received that payment. Wait, he went just right went and right gambled to, it. Right his uh, he just said, hey, bankers err in my favor. Like it's a game of Monopoly. and, and he, he went out and spent it.
2: So it was for low-income residents who each were going to receive $775 each he got 360k and then gambled all of it away. I don't know how many spins that is on Wheel of Fortune, you know, at the <laughs> go, at the Golden Nugget um, in the old city of Vegas. But uh yeah, he, they're charging the man with fraud and I can only imagine this guy getting the 360,000 and being like uh <laughs>
1: Hello man well, you, or, or, my
2: prayers have been answered or, or are you that's thinking, winning
1: the lottery well, so then why do you go gamble that? I don't think it's <laughs> <spends, laughs> I
0: don't think it spends on will of fortune this guy just said man I'm I'm having a really good run right now yeah, I just got mail 360k I'm going to go put this on even on the roulette wheel right now all 360,000 <laughs> he, did, he, he may it have lost online. it in you know a minute
2: he bet it all long. online so who knows you have uh, uh, his name was Abu I don't know if that's first, last name. Don't know. That's, he goes uh, by
0: one name like yeah, Prince? Yeah. Abu. Uh
2: I'm he uh, like he, he logs in. Like back in the day when you could log on I, in high school, uh, online poker was starting to happen. And uh, you guys would come in and put 25 cents or, you know, as you start to watch uh, – <laughs> Uh, the, World to watch the World Series yeah. of Poker is makes big everyone so you're, an expert. you're betting online, right?
0: Suddenly you're wearing sunglasses inside playing seconds. online yeah. poker yeah. when it makes Not no, no difference. Contact.
2: And then you, ha- you have Abu log in, and uh, all of a sudden it's $300,000. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's get to the mistake. We're go <laughs> all We're push push it hand. all in right here. Here let's, we go. Let's get to the mistake maker. What happened to the dude who sent out the check? I mean, surely
0: this That's guy a great lost, lost his job. Jailed? We need to follow up on him. Isn't that – I mean, if you make a mistake to that – Degree. extent with government funds i feel like there's a crime there there can't just be an honest Even mistake an to that level oh, oh, sorry
2: abu is the name of the town this guy's name is show show S- from abu s-h-o
0: show from abu like Shohai otani but just drop the high otani and what was show
2: the town that. wants him to pay up to 51 million yen plus legal fees
0: well i mean look the guy who sent or girl who sent him the check should be the one paying the legal fees And the 360. It's not his fault he was having an
2: awesome day. (laughs) Uh, Some headlines when we return, including NFL owners sizing up a vote for Dan Snyder. And we will discuss PK's trip to Vegas next.